Oh, hold on. I got a burp in there somewhere. It won't come out. Oh, well, it comes out when it comes out, I guess. Oh, God. It's one of those, <laughs> one of those podcasts. <laughs> Cool. So, so with um with pollinators and and <laughs> insects. <laughs> so you uh, so you mentioned poison ivy's powers. She can kissy kissy you and poison you somehow. And uh, Derek put a picture in the Discord where she can release like the effects of cannabis. She can just put it out yeah. there. I guess is that a, that's an ability she has though. She can just wow. You just yeah, smell I think that, she can that put, skunk. She can put people in trances and she can get people to hallucinate. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. She puts people in trances a lot. Yeah. She oh. takes over Superman like every other week, it feels oh, like. Oh, yeah. She's always oh. just like, Superman, oh, Clark. Come here. <laughs> yeah. Well, when Clark's written well, he's a he's a bit of a dumb a dumb in my opinion. When he's at his best is when he's like a lovable, like, oh, I'll give you another chance there, boys and Ivy, to do the right. Oh, no. Oh, who could have seen this coming? <laughs> It's like anyone, Clark. Anyone could have seen this coming. I mean, half well, the time when we... Superman fights Batman, it's because he's under the yeah. influence of poison ivy. So. All the time, he's under the oh, really? influence of poison ivy constantly. Yeah. And Batman's—that's yeah. why Batman carries around the kryptonite is because <laughs> it's because Superman's <laughs> likely to be under poison ivy's influence at any given time. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's bad. Well, can you can you tell us a little bit about the fig wasp and fig relationship? Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. In the U.S., we generate a lot of figs. And figs are um, really native to Mediterranean, Middle Eastern climates. They're more used to dry climates, um, which is why most of the fig industry in the U.S. is um, in California. Although there's a huge farm in Pennsylvania, which is, is really cool. But, um, and a lot of them are, um, have parthenocarpy, which means they can self-pollinate and self, they don't need Oh, I was going to ask, can they self-pollinate? Because theoretically, yeah. a flower has both of the requirements, as it were. Right, right. But um, the thing is, uh, some of the fig species, like um, Calamina, I think is how you say it, they have male and female figs, right? And so um, the males are called Capri figs. What happens is... Um, a fig wasp, so like each fig species will have its own species of wasps. They're specialized in that way. There's these little male figs called Capri figs. The females will enter those through a little spot like commonly called the eye. They'll lay eggs in there and then um, often die after that. But the males hatch first. The males impregnate the females before they are hatched. Oh, wow. What a yeah, weird so system. Yeah. What is this, and Game of males, Thrones? Yeah. <laughs> then the males... Um, you imagine being born pregnant? So, oh, my God. Uh, I don't even want then, to be pregnant now, and I'm an adult woman. I didn't enjoy being pregnant as an adult. <laughs> yeah. I'm having to do it like from the get-go. Babies having babies. Isn't it a common exactly. problem? Oh, my gosh. What is this, MTV? Yeah, so then what happens is the, um, the males, then after they impregnate the females they burrow out and create a passageway for the females to leave when the females leave they go to find another fig to lay their eggs in so that's it they just hang around figs the whole time they don't have like a nest or anything 
Um, well, fig wasps. Generally. Specifically yeah. the fig wasps. Yeah, so what happens is when the female's hatched and they're pregnant, they're moving around and they're rummaging around in that fig. They're picking up pollen. And then when they go to another fig, they're, they prefer to find male figs, but they, you can't, they can't distinguish male and female from the outside. Because there's things for them to eat in the males, but there's not things for them to eat in the female. So if a, a female wasp mistakenly goes into a female wig, uh, fig, sorry, she <laughs> will um, essentially pollinate and fertilize and cl- complete that process. Mm-hmm. And something that happens that's kind of sad is when the females enter, the process of entering the fig is really rough. And their wings get pulled off in the process. So they can't escape anyway. So typically after they've laid their eggs, they die. And then the figs release this um, enzyme called physin, which breaks the wasp down into... So are these the figs that we're then eating to make newtons? So majority of the figs that we eat um, are dry harvested figs so what that means is they fully ripen they fall off the tree or the bush or whatever and then they're collected off the ground those are fumigated treated with pesticide and things like that to kind of eliminate any pests that might be on the figs then washed then sold so the reality is um, when you're eating like a fig newton you're not that crunch is not coming from fig eggs or something <laughs> like that, like people say. There, there's, there, there may be fig pro, or uh, wasp proteins or wasp. So I am eating the fig that at one point had a wasp in it. May, that may be the case. May be the case. Yes. And the USDA has regulations on this kind of stuff, like how many how crunchy these things right. can be. And how- <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that in episode one. Like there's yeah. like a, an acceptable limit of bugness in yes. food. At like peanut point. butter, I think has like three rat hairs are allowed in a jar. Uh, hair, you know, like that's that. okay. I feel like everything I cook has three cat hairs in it. So it's the nature of cooking. And so I saw a meme going around a little while ago that was like, you can't eat figs if you're vegan because it's not vegan because there's wasps in there. So, yeah. Would you say that that's true? I mean, it depends. Like I said earlier, it depends on what you're trying to get out of veganism. Yeah. If you're worried about harming living, you know, life, you know, it wasn't you eating the fig that was responsible for that. Right. Yeah. I guess part I'm assuming that. it would depend on why that specific person is a vegan. Yeah. Right. Or if you're trying to avoid human interaction with the death of insects yeah <laughs> you're you're in the it's all really the, blurry the with things veganism. The came up with this on their own all right <laughs> nothing to do with me a lot of the plants we consume have may have things living in them so vegans aren't vegan uh, i'll be real with you <laughs> you heard it here first hot take <laughs> take <laughs> dr, I mean, dr. I pedro I can be found at the following I'm gonna, email. Oh, don't stop. <laughs> you'd some like to give pet a piece of your mind you can find him at try your best (laughs) you're just gonna be on a diet of you know vitamin supplements (laughs) right that's the future baby we never have to eat at all just get my daily vitamin of 100 percent of all my natural intake one of uh one of my favorite parts of doing the wolverines panel with you ped 
was when you were talking about plant regeneration. I think that was Groot. When, we, yeah. when you covered Groot, can you talk to us a little bit about plant regen? Um, yeah, so a lot of plants can regenerate from very little. Um, well, you said the grass earlier is like all it takes yeah. is like a quarter inch of a root system. Yeah. Well, and so a lot of regeneration has to do with that root system. So when you're trying to like get rid of an invasive species, you're really trying to eliminate that root system. And so when you repeatedly like hack and mow something, you're forcing the plant to take all its stored stuff below ground and put it above ground. And so over time, you're kind of eliminating its stores till it's running out of energy and sugar to like build things with anymore. But a lot of plants have regenerative ability and can regenerate from very small fragments of plant material. So at the end of the Guardians Galaxy movie, when Rocket takes that little fragment, that is 100% true. And um, that new Adorable. group is a clone. Yeah, <laughs> is a clone. So. Oh, so do you, okay. So that would that Groot have the first Groot's memories in your professional opinion? Or is it just a clone? Is it the son of Groot? Or is it Groot himself? Oh, is it son I of think Groot? it's the son of Groot. I think yeah. it's the son of Groot too. <laughs> yeah. Which by the way, in the Christmas special, like he had an adult Groot body, but still like the baby face thing. It was horrifying. Yeah, it was horrifying. I was like, we was this a low that. budget? Like he's just wearing a Halloween mask from Target? Like what's going on here? Like, yeah, they spent all the money on other stuff, and the Groot suit was the last consideration well, in that special. <laughs> yeah, we did do a lot of complaining about that in our Guardians. We did. We did talk about the Groot special. suit. Yeah, the Groot I suit was horrifying. That. That was the, again, the Groot suit in Disneyland is on stilts, so yeah, they could have just stilted him. True. But the other thing that's kind of interesting. Okay, so you're the Guardians of the Galaxy. You can make an army of Groots. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's an interesting thought. Isn't, I believe he's, I don't think he's the last of his kind, the way that no. like some characters are the last of their kind. He's just from somewhere else. And his original introduction, he, he's just a tree. Like he looks like a tree. <laughs> and when, he, when was his first introduction? Uh, it was a long time like, ago. Yeah. Okay. I, I I'm going to butt in here. It's a little weird because Groot was introduced in like the Silver Age as just a generic monster. And then Groot was later reintroduced as a separate character that was also called Groot later on. And that's the one that says, I am Groot. So there's been multiple oh. Groots. So maybe yeah. it's like a Benjamin thing. His name is just Groot. And Groot is a popular name yeah. <laughs> among the tree people, the the not Ents of this world. The original Groot, they he, uh, he came down to Earth and was attacking people. And then they lit him on fire. And that was pretty much the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> So is what is the, uh, the enemy of a tree species is is um always fire. It's always, always fire. fire. Yeah. Frankenstein made of fire. Yeah. Yeah, because you covered uh, you covered some of that in our talk. Yeah. Um, About... you know it's um there's this thing that trees can do. They sort of kind of can communicate below ground through roots and fungal networks. Mm-hmm. And so I think like that whole kind of premise with like Swamp Thing communicating with the green, I think that's like plausible, actually. Um, there's a lot of cool research coming out about how plants can actually communicate with each other and warn each other of danger. 
Um, oh, because I've heard that with when like you mow your lawn, what you're smelling is the grass in distress, trying to warn the other grasses. Mm-hmm. We're getting mowed. We're getting mowed. Some yeah, sometimes they're summoning wasps. Yeah. Oh, right. We talked about. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're like, <laughs> come, my wasp army, stop this mowing man. It's interesting though because grasses um, has evolved to be grazed. So. Oh. And why does it care if it's getting mowed? <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm, I'm kind of like, mm. I'm a little. Sorry. Maybe we go. Maybe we go too low. Maybe. Yeah, our, that's maybe that's you know, what it is. It's, it's probably a maybe level. The clippy clip, like where it starts to taper, and then, but you're going too low, <laughs> you're getting its ears. Well, well there's this whole movement happening in New Jersey called No Grow or No Mow Lawns, mm-hmm. where you essentially get these seed mixes of grasses that grow short and you can they're kind of a mix so you're not oh. just getting some monoculture type thing um, right cool. yeah they, I've heard they a look, lot of they look really monoculture. nice too yeah they look cool it's like having mm-hmm. a little meadow in your yard you know do um do plants so plants can summon like we mentioned wasps do they sense when their pollinators are near them do they change their behavior at all as much behavior as a plant can have yeah I, a lot of that's I don't know if they sense them directly, but there is there are environmental cues to when they should produce flowers and things like that. So it's temperature cues, length of day cues, mm-hmm. things like that, where there is essentially kind of patterns that evolved over time, right? So um, when the temperature hits a certain amount, then you know X, Y, and Z pollinators are going to be available. Well, you'll see that's also kind of interesting. Like if you study meadow life, like, or like prairies where there's like a large diversity of different plants, if you actually go, you'll see that they all flower at different times so that they can share pollinators, right? So they're not going to be smart. Yeah. yeah, They're smart. It's like, it's like niche partitioning, but in in time. Yeah. So it's. They're all waiting in line for their turn to be pollinated. Right. (laughs) You right. have April, but come May, you better be out of here. All right. It's my yeah. turn. Or we're all in April, but I'm going to flower at 10 a.m. and you're going to flower at 4 p.m. Kind of yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. I find the whole I flower at night thing to be really fascinating. I, I think maybe just flowering in general where they like they close and then they open. <laughs> like that's crazy to me that they can do that when they don't have, again, centering my own experience. They don't have muscles or anything. So how are they like doing that <laughs> that's partially like an involved thing related to the pollinators they use so right. when we were talking about mammals most of that mammal pollination happens at night actually you you all might be familiar of like the bat agave tequila story maybe i don't yep. i don't know but yeah um, yeah so i think like 99 percent of agaves are pollinated by bats um, and they do flower at night and so for something to be bat pollinated, it has to have like, it not only has to flower at night, but the flower has to be fairly large because bats are, have big, big heads boys. compared to bumblebees. Or something. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So um, they're like structurally different to kind of support that. They also, the flowers are bigger, like stockier, hardier, a little stronger so that they can support them. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're duller in color typically. So if you've ever seen cactus flowers, they're kind of bland looking, like kind of just off white. I know yeah. there's a hundred shades of white, but like. Um, 
excuse me, they are they are ivory colored. Yeah. How dare you? They're eggshell white. The agaves in Mexico, I think they're all pollinated by long-nosed bats. And there's a lot of stuff coming out about there's concern about the tequila industry because mm-hmm. of the you know what's going on with the long-nosed bat populations. I just saw this thing unrelated to plants, sorry. But it was about <laughs> how Mexico is stopping its production of those beetles that make the red dye because Peru has cornered the market so heavily that there's no point in Mexico trying to compete anymore. And it's like this whole conversation about like appropriation and the loss of a culture, but like this one little beetle grows on this one cactus. And when you smash up that beetle, it turns red and then you get all your red dyes and it's all in your M&Ms and your other red jellies <laughs> so again you can't eat anything without uh, a bug involvement that that beetle uh, is in the conan video game and you use it to make dye in the conan world it's, nice. it's, <laughs> um, i do want to be sensitive of your time ped we're, ha- we're happy to chat more but i'm checking i, in have, an, I have an hour how you're so. doing i have another hour but we okay great. yeah we don't have to talk for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, we're just making sure that you have time, and we're not uh, we're not infringing on your your Saturday afternoon. It's a um, son's basketball game. He's no, he's you never ever watched seven year olds play basketball. No, no. <laughs> even if I if I watch seven year olds all run after the same ball, they, and then all well, run they after score the baskets by game. accident. Like I'm serious, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just like throw it up there, and they're like, yeah. "Oh, it happened to go it, in." It did it. It did the thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I went to my friend's soccer game, and it was three year olds, and they all just—it's just um, it's just a chaos. Mass, just a mass of like eight or so three year olds, all just. I mean, it's like a mosh pit. They all just get together and just start kicking. And I'm yeah. like, how are these kids having a good time? They're all just kicking each other. And then, you know, inevitably one's like, he kicked me. You're like, yeah, bro, it's soccer. <laughs> and the one well, kid that gets it, that like stands away from the crowd. Yeah. You know, and then He's the waiting. ball pokes out and he gets to run it down to the goal. Like, Right. Yeah. Like, and his dad acts like he's the next Messi. You know, they're yeah. just like, yeah. 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 Uh, Amanda, I think you had a good question about a movie. Oh. Yeah, well, we were talking about the the summon summon the bees, summon the wasps when I I'm in distress because a, a plant can't leave a dangerous situation, which reminded me of that movie a few years ago, probably ten years ago, if not more. That I think it's called The Happening. I think it was a Shamalamalan uh, movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> and we're like, in the end, the answer is it was the plants, and the plants are just like had enough of the people's nonsense and they were going to kill all the people using their, I, I guess summon the bees, but this time make the people want to uh, hurt themselves is how plausible, I guess is my question. Yeah. Could, could, the, could the plants turn on us at any moment? They, they can become more toxic. Plants can become more unpalatable, right? Like they can do these things over time due to threats, pressure or whatever it is but they couldn't suddenly release a juice that makes me like i I don't know a a pollen that makes me go cray cray uh i I doubt it um (laughs) so that so a lot of the things that plants do has to be reinforced with better fitness and reproduction later so it's like if they're not if they're doing something that benefits their productivity over time then maybe but could they make me so allergic to the pollen that I want 
to kill myself. <laughs> that's it. That's interesting. I mean, what part of one of the weird conversations is having with climate change is like some of these plants may become more or less potent. Because um, I'm really allergic to. We've talked about it before. It's like a ornamental red sage that people put in their yards, and it blooms in the morning. Uh, uh, right after it rains but it's sunny today if that makes sense because those are the days i notice it and it just kills me and i just i, I worry i worry that the plants are just gonna be like all right it's time goodbye people oh, <laughs> you know my wife is like pretty sensitive to most i a plant guy who married a woman who can't have plants in the house it's like it's, oh no it's tricky i always joke that she should just live in a cave but um, <laughs> no, no then she'll find like lichen or something in there and she'll be like no yeah. oh yeah you i did find it weird you have no plants in your home i have a one room with a bunch of what i call micro plants like very small <laughs> plants little succulents nothing that flowers because um it sets my wife off a little bit she gets itchy eyes and all <laughs> And then, wow. you know, I must hurt I, your soul a little bit. You know, when I was like, a, a, you know, a, a romantic early on thinking I'm whoever I date is going to get flowers every week and I'm going to be <laughs> great about it. And first time I brought flowers for her, she she said thank you. And then she proceeded to take them outside. <laughs> I was like, OK, so yeah, I don't, I don't really I don't really get the flower thing. I'm like, thank you for giving me a thing I'm going to watch die for two weeks like i get it like like oh it looks nice it looks pretty and i always appreciate it when my husband yeah. does it for me but if i'm honest i'd rather you get one of those uh give me bouquets, a bouquets made of jerky if you've seen those. oh wow <laughs> that's that's what amanda wants i'm more of a potted plant giver so i like to give uh, potted yeah. plants. You know. we have a potted plant in our bathroom that has thrived because it just wants the moisture in the air so you know you take a shower and the plant, we call him Senior Splashy. Because uh, <laughs> every now and then you got to give him a splash. But mostly he just lives off of that hot shower air. Yeah. And he's lived his best life in there. But I got to repot him because he's too big for his little pot now. Yeah. <laughs> I really, still have Senior that, Splashy um, Junior. Yeah. <laughs> that agave she's, you gave me, Ped. She's making tiny bottles yeah. of tequila. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's alive and it's made babies. It now has two oh, little babies God. I need to take out of that big pot and pot into something else. Nice. So Your tequila empire begins. That, that was like 2017, I think. When you so I'm I'm just excited I didn't kill it because I yeah I am not I'm good hard on plants alive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had a big plant in my room so. <laughs> my room when i was growing up was jungle themed so i had like a cheetah bed i think it was a leopard leopard bed spread oh and like a couple big plotted pant plants and my posters were all animals um you know just just 10 year old things and i kept that tree alive for a while but then it definitely died <laughs> so i've never i haven't really explored into the the land of keeping plants alive since because as an 11 year old i was very upset that i had killed this tree yeah. That lived in my yard. My room. I, I like a plant I can forget about. Um, yeah, I also have that yeah. aloe. Uh, aloe I bought from your nursery that oh, same yeah. year. That's still alive, and that has like seven babies that oh, I nice. need to. Was it? To pull. Is it like the snake plant or something that was like it's just a uh, the snake plant? No, is it's, the it's a big best aloe house plant for people who don't have green thumbs. They're very really? low maintenance. They don't need li it? too much light. They filter the air. They're like really. 
They're pet safe too, I'm pretty sure. Or I know yeah, they're, they're cat safe. safe. I don't know if they're dog yeah, safe. Yeah, and the thing that's like when you see them in their natural environment, like you'll see a tropical, subtropical system. They grow all over the place on the ground in darkness mm-hmm. because the canopy of the trees is, you know, blocking a lot of that light. So, so you can have um, them anywhere in the house. Pretty much, yeah. It's that, funny too because does that you, flower? Um, it does flower. Um, I've never seen one with a flower before. Well, yeah, there's a lot of plants I don't think of as flowering plants, and then you see one flowered, and you're like, "What is it?" Like the Venus flytrap. Well, flowered, it does that like really, really tall flower, so that it yeah. doesn't accidentally eat bees. <laughs> Most things flower, except for you know things with needles and ferns, right? Like everything else, kind of flowers. I love a fern. I'm yeah. currently a- killing killing a fern as we speak. Yeah. Um, like, how I does just, a fern pollinate yeah. though? Is it is it, it doesn't also pollinate. just relying? It relies on water oh. too. Yeah, it, it relies okay, on water. So it just it doesn't have flowers its... or anything, right? So ferns are kind of um kind of like the OG plants, right? So the, um, they kind plants of, precede, of a bygone era. Yeah, they kind of <laughs> preceded most uh flowering plants. They're like the horseshoe crab. Yeah, like so oh. back to our dinosaur thing. Like every time you see dinosaurs, you always see these giant ferns and yeah. ginkgos and things like that. Because those are like fairly ancient. Derek asked comments about carnivorous plants. So carnivory is is interesting. It evolved essentially from plants growing in places where they couldn't get the nutrients they need. Mm-hmm. So they had to kind of develop other ways to get nutrients. So they turned savage. Yes. Now, not so. What's funny is like everybody just assumes, oh, this plant is going to eat this other thing, but that's not always how it works. Carnivorous plants are good trappers, but they're not always the ones that are directly eating the insect or whatever they trap. There is actually oh, a whole food chain of things that are doing that work for them. So they might be trapping something for something else to eat. I think we right. saw it with with ants like ants would capture stuff so that you could so it could eat what actually eats that yeah some plants will have there will be like a direct kind of absorption of nutrients from the insect but things like pitcher plants you know an insect falls in it essentially drowns and can't climb out right and then there is like a whole chain of bacteria that each have a job so like one thing eats it decomposes the next thing eats the waste of that bacteria and pitcher plants can be like fifth or sixth in line in terms of getting the nutrients they need. So it's it's kind of a kind of an interesting thing. So the plant's more the environment in which this happens, unless yeah, like yeah, the pitcher plant is basically like the pitcher yeah. itself is its own little ecosystem that has a whole community very right cool. inside of it. Yeah, and sometimes a frogs in there. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But we there's have a lot like, of beautiful pitcher plants here in New Jersey. Yes, we do. Um, they occur mostly in bogs mm-hmm. and, um, you know, like wetland areas. We have a purple pitcher that's really pretty. And then, yeah. um, but there's also like a, a pitcher that's an epiphyte, which means it grows on other plants and it'll grow up in canopies, you'll see in tropical areas. Um, so they're really cool. And is that bad for the plant it's growing on, or is, or is it just usually kind of not? Ah. Yeah, usually not. So maybe you could explain to me because no one has adequately explained to me the difference Uh-oh. between <laughs> like there's plants, it's a trap, and there's animals, <laughs> and then there's fungi, oh. which seems to live in between the two. 
I also feel the same about algae. People are always like, well, technically seaweed's not a plant. And I'm like, okay, then what is it? Because yeah. it feels like a plant to me. <laughs> it's funny because in, in my department as the botany teacher, I have to teach about algae. I have to teach about yeah. fungi. Yeah. So it's like, it's tricky. They're not plants, but they're, they're the plant-like, the nearly yeah. plants. So I, I always ask my students, should fungi be taught in botany or zoology? And like, they have to kind of defend that. Because fungi ingest their food like animals do, right? The only right. difference is their digestion happens outside the body. Animals like ingest food and digest it on the inside. Fungi release chemicals that break food down and then they absorb it. Right. Right. And so, um, so it's a little bit different in that way. They don't generate their own food. So they're more like animals in that regard. Okay. Because I've heard it before that it's the lack of like photosynthesis is like right. really where they draw yeah. the so line. They're not That's an autotroph. They can't make their yeah. own food. Which is so why so many fungi plant. have a relationship with plants. So 90% of the plants on earth have a fungal best friend. Right? <laughs> so they, they couldn't exist. <laughs> a, little, a little fungi. Yeah, <laughs> they couldn't fungi. exist without them. So uh, Ped, you're like my fungal best friend. <laughs> Love that. You guys are so so symbiotic over there. Yes, we totally are. Um Yeah, so and it's actually like really important too when we think about like just agriculture and the food industry. There is a little to managing fungus in a good way and a bad way. So in the wine industry, you know, they have to worry about you know, fungi that impact fruit production and stuff like that, that occur on the grapes and flowers themselves. But then they also want fungal relationships happening below ground, mm -hmm. which help these So they can't plants. just wipe out all, all fungi because they need right. some of the fungi to still be there. Yeah. Right. Which is the problem with a lot of pesticides too, is you want to, you want to save some of those little guys because they're doing a job. Right. Well, we are planning to do a, um, speaking of, I think you mentioned Last of Us earlier. We are going to do a cordyceps um, parasitic uh, fungi episode. Nice. Do you have any any thoughts so far on the show? Yeah, so I mentioned to you that I had thoughts. Um, <laughs> so I've already been asked by students like, oh my gosh, this is so real. It seems so real. Can this happen? <laughs> and I tell them, no. <laughs> because do, do you uh, want to sleep tonight? Then the answer is no, it can't happen. Yeah. No. So yeah. all right. So we're, it's, we're currently on episode two, right? Right. So Just what me and Kelly agreed is that it's about time. Um mm. so for something to be able to invade humans and, and use them, they have to essentially co evolve with them. Right? Ah. And so um that will take millions of years of having that relationship and the kind of the positive feed and feedback reinforcing that lifestyle right? like the toxoplasmosis in cat owners right which we all have yeah. <laughs> all three of us yeah. <laughs> well i yeah i don't currently have a cat but i've owned cats yeah yeah so the toxo may be dormant within me this is this is what scientists text each other about. Pen and I had a text message conversation about cordyceps and humans and <laughs> the likelihood. She, yeah, she was like, give it a million years. And I was like, we're not lasting that long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pen was not optimistic for her future as a species. Well, when you study climate change, it's hard to be optimistic. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> 
downer on the cast, man. If uh, if we already had a cordyceps like fungus in, let's say bats, because poor bats are the are the current yeah. Villains. What is it? White nose syndrome is yeah. taking them all out. But if we had that kind of a fungus in another mammal, then we would have to be concerned about it potentially jumping the humans, right? Right. And I think most of the like fungal diseases in mammals are are kind of of the yeast they're, variety. Then they're respiratory, aren't they? For right. The most part. Right. So you're not going to get this kind of filamentous thing taking over your whole body situation. And the one thing that I do buy that could happen sooner is like kind of that whole LSD thing they were talking about, right? So essentially these fungi release chemicals that could trick our minds into seeing or behaving mm-hmm. in certain ways. That that's kind of like the happening. Yes. Yeah, that's I, more like the happening. I can buy that happening, but <laughs> the happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I think I'd so, rather be um, LSD'd by plants yeah. than filamentous pl- cordyceps. Well, it's a good way to go, eat the right? Shrooms, uh, and yeah. then whatever happens happens. <laughs> yeah. That's not my business. <laughs> what happens after the shrooms? I do have to commend though the the art team on on the show. Amazing. Um, they they really studied their fungi, their slime molds, all of it. And they I really... love the opening credits. Yeah. Watching the fungi grow and the slime. Well, they they were like, "How do we do the opening have... of Game of Thrones, but with fung- fungus, fungi?" Yeah. Right? Like it's. I it's haven't almost... watched it yet, but there's one episode of Hannibal where someone is using. Sorry, this is going to get dark. Sorry, people who haven't watched Hannibal. But he's using, like, dead bodies as a way to grow fungus, basically. And that oh, episode... He's making really, something, some really delicious mushroom, right? In yeah, like the most delicious <laughs> mushroom because it was grown on people's... It's Hannibal. Like, what are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> and, like, that, that episode show. gave me the squicks real, real bad. So now I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to watch Last of Us because it's going to be just all... Just don't watch it at night. I think it's... Oh, well, that's the only time my children are asleep. Yeah, that's so. the <laughs> I always end up watching it at midnight. So it's like... Um, it's, it's, really it's zombies. Good. It's essentially yeah. zombies. Yeah. Right? So if you can handle zombie movies... Um, I, I don't like gore. I like psychological thrillers um, more than I like. I don't. I don't think it's, it's fungal gore though. Gory, like you don't yeah. see yeah. blood really. It's just fungal. I don't even like that mushroom that has like the red ooze coming out of it though. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. well, then you're in trouble. Yeah. Well, oh well. <laughs> I guess I gotta watch it in the daytime with all the lights on. You should still watch it, Amanda. It's. it's I, very I will good. watch it because I good. I can watch a show and I can dedicate less time to it than it will take me to play the hundred hour game. <sighs> They just renewed it for another season yesterday. Wow, already. Well, Pedro Pascal. You you can't go wrong. (laughs) As long as you you can't. Mandalorians, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited because we'll be we'll be talking about cordyceps and parasitic fungus in the next episode. Yeah. Which I've really had to do homework on because I'm not a fungal. I'm not a fungi yeah. specialist. We need to find one. We need to find a mycologist. Oh, how dare you? I am a fungal. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at my notes here. Derek told me to look up or to think of plant questions that I, a layperson, might have. And this is a total departure from what we were just speaking on. Plants sometimes make themselves spicy. <laughs> mm. What are they? What are they trying question? to? Yes. Well, it's a statement. <laughs> plants sometimes make themselves spicy 
Right. Or they might make themselves bitter or they might make themselves whatever. Anything but sweet. What are they trying to accomplish when they do that? Because it's, humans were yeah. like, ooh, delicious anyway. <laughs> so they're trying not to get eaten. They failed on that part. Yeah. So all the spicy stuff is all a plant defense. So plants have different ways to defend so They themselves. are trying to stop me from eating them and they fail. Yes. But the thing <laughs> is, like, they're not... They didn't evolve evolve these things with humans in mind. They evolved right. these things with herbivores and insects in mind. So this is the deers or whatever that they're yeah. trying to. So like when you're eating thyme, you're like, cool, thyme is delicious oh, in my food. Sandwich. But to a rabbit or to a small insect, it's like, holy crap. Right? So, right. Horseradish uh, would be really intense if I was a rabbit. <laughs> yeah. Well, so th- like think about like anything with caffeine in it, right? Yeah. Like coffee, right? So... To us, it's like we can handle it, but to a, can you imagine like the shakes an insect will get? It's, <laughs> it's got that kind of caffeine. So well, did they do that experiment with like spiders? Like they gave some caffeine and some LSD. Uh, I don't know if that's true or if that's just they, they make wild webs. It yeah, made they, make just, they just go nuts. They that is all pure hippie science. Like yeah. it's kind of like, yeah. hey, let's just do this for fun. Like. <laughs> They're not trying to solve any problems. It's science. That's the rules. Yeah. That's the kind of science I want to do. Just random. (laughs) Well, I I think that's the difference between me and Kelly. I think I can see her doing hippie science for the rest of her life and me doing (laughs) applied science. (laughs) I'm trying to solve problems and she's just trying to answer curiosities. I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know the answer to everything, even if no one else cares about it. Ped's doing things other people care about. (laughs) Yeah. But so plants do have lots of ways of defending themselves. So there's mechanical, which is like thorns and prickles right. and things like that. There's um, stinginess. Yeah. And then there's chemical, which is in like in different ways. So um, it could be whether they're eaten or chemicals they release. Uh, release. Um, so some plants will actually release chemicals to harm other plants. So they're defending themselves from other plants. Um, it's oh, called allelopathy. So they release chemicals from their roots that acts like an herbicide. Um, walnuts are really good at this. They have a chem- so something gets close to a walnut, and walnuts like, no, this is my patch. So you'll see under walnuts, you'll often see a dead zone under walnut trees. So because um, they release a chemical called juglon, which is like an herbicide, it kills. Interesting. Yeah, it's very cool. It's very it's chemical cool. warfare out there. If you've ever held like walnuts, like in the flesh, not the actual nut, but and your skin gets kind of dyed. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Yeah, yeah. They well, as an artist, I use walnut ink. Is what the thing yeah. That, is it a black? That ink? I'm familiar with. It's like a dark brown. Yeah, that's that's the juglon that's dyeing your skin. I believe. Interesting. Yeah. Good so, thing you had so a if I did enough pretty pictures with my ink <laughs> and then just hung them around, I could kill the, any plants that were nearby. Yeah. Um, so, so they have chemical means and then they also have just strategies for avoid being eaten. So one strategy is kind of avoidance in time. So, um, in the animal world, when something has a bright color, like red or orange, it's usually a warning. Like bees are yellow for a warning. Oh, Kelly, Kelly, it's, it's a, 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 (laughs) do it. Appropriatism of, no, I'm so close. A something. AP something. I'm not going to tell you the answer, man. You have to get it. I've got to get it. I've got to get it. It's a, If I, you I have the answer, it. please tweet Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, uh, I, I can't remember what it is. What is yeah. Kelly, tell me. 
aposematism, Amanda. Oh, I was so close. I think you had all the syllables, just not really yeah, like I, order. I was like Scrabble. I had the word. I could see it fit on the board, but I couldn't figure out how to spell it, which you're is always, my downfall. You're always in, so close. You're always so, so close. close. Always just so close. It's so my fall down it. in New York Times crosswords as well. I'll know the answer, and then I'll put the I and the E backwards or whatever, and I'm like, what? why doesn't it fit? So, there you go. <laughs> anyway, so animals will use bright colors <laughs> as warnings, but plants use bright colors as attractants. So, oh, so right. when a fruit is ripe, it'll be red. When it's unripe, unpalatable, and not yummy to eat, it'll be green. Right? Oh. Does that make sense? So, so fruits want plants want their fruits eaten because the animals do the work of, you know, spreading the seed. So. It's same with flowers are colorful as an attractant. Right? And and the bees, the bees specifically, you said C and UV. And th- are they seeing patterns on the petals that we're not seeing because it's in UV? Y- yes, they will see some okay. patterns that we do not see. There is um, a like blues and yellows. special um, that um, it's on Netflix. I think it's, is it life or is it color? Oh. It's color. Okay. Yeah, with David Attenborough. And he shows us what plants look like in uv and how the oh, cool. bees are seeing them it's beautiful did you see yeah. that one ped sorry it's actually no, life think... in color life in life color in color i had it have it's it's awesome it's Adding a really cue now <laughs> yeah put it in the queue and watch it yeah so plants will avoid enemies in time they'll also avoid enemies in space by where they grow so a lot of those plants i mentioned before that grow on other plants that's to avoid enemies right so They'll grow high up in a tree. A lot of orchids do this. And those were the epiphytes, right? Epiphytes, yeah, which means surface plant. Yeah, sort of dudes. Yeah. Do they whisper for enemies while they turn it, (laughs) turn the lock on their door, like I do every night to soothe myself from my invasive thoughts about being broken, my house being broken into? Yeah. (laughs) For enemies, I say, and I lock the door. Um, two other defenses that are kind of interesting. One is like mimicry. So you'll see some plants will make parts that look like something you don't want to eat. So I think I think passion flowers do this where they'll make flowers that where the petals kind of look like larvae. And so like oh. it'll so it'll deter like other flying insects from coming over there. And then acacias do something called harboring natural enemies. And so they basically recruit an ant army to protect themselves. So they provide provide, the ant with sugar, basically, and little nectaries. And in in exchange, the ants defend the plant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are really interesting. Yeah. And is that, that's another type of symbiosis, but does it have a more specific name than just symbiosis? Because sometimes I know they have like... mutualism. It's a mutualism. Mutualism. Okay, that's... When they both benefit. Right. Right. Okay. So, so when it's when you see a plant that's spicy versus a plant that's bitter, are you finding that plants that are spicy are like mostly birds pollinate them, or mostly bugs pollinate them, or is it just I just don't want mammals to eat me. I don't care who what comes along after that. It depends on how how and where they're spicy. Um, oh, okay. So if the flower itself is a little bit spicy, that draws beetles typically. Beetles like the spicy, yeasty type things. They also do like some fruity things, like a lot of the stone fruits, which are like single-pitted fruits, like cherries and stuff, will draw beetles. 
but it's mostly meant to be a deterrent. Um, mm, okay. But the thing is, like, so mints and stuff like that, they their flowers are very sweet, which is contradictory to their leaves. And right. so things in the mint family, like, and salvias and things like that, those tend to draw, like, butterflies and moths. Um, but you don't so, want to plant mint in your your butterfly garden because it will take over your butterfly garden? I've heard that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, mint has some invasive qualities about it. So, what do you yeah. do? <laughs> yeah. Have you had chocolate mint? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Is that like a type of mint that it's tastes weird. like chocolate already? It tastes it like tastes eating like... a thin mint. Like it does. Like, it's it's crazy. bizarre. Yeah. That's cray cray. I couldn't really think this. of a lot of uses for it though. I grew some, and then I would occasionally just eat the leaves. But I don't know. Maybe I can make tea out of it. I made a mojito with them, so they were. That oh, that's bad. a good a idea. Chocolate mojito, yeah. <laughs> Chocolate mojito <laughs> sounds like a dog. <laughs> Come here, chocolate mojito. Chocolate mojito. <laughs> sounds like a dog breed. Oh, I yeah, purchased a chocolate a, mojito. Oh, yes, yes. What kind of what kind of breed of dog is that? Oh, it's a chocolate mojito. Mm, yes. At the dog park where Ped refuses to speak to me. Mm. <laughs> I've never been to a dog park. Is that sad? Oh. You're, yeah. you're poor, dog unsocialized dog. dog. <laughs> My dog gets plenty of exercise, you know. I'll she un, does un, two or three miles a night. But she's like, unsocialized. Yeah, yeah. She she's likes fit, people. but has no one to show off to. Right. Oh, your dog loves people. She would not get out of my lap when I came over. Yeah, she likes laps. She was so cute. He yeah. is a tiny, adorable dog. She's is your dog nice. on your? Is your dog on your Instagram? Yes, occasionally. Occasionally. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Let me log in. <laughs> Go to Ped's Instagram. Over. Check out his dog. I have a planty Instagram. It's Geeky Gardener. If anybody wants to check that out, do so. check it out. He's got some wonderful, uh, wonderful photos on there. I'm a, I'm a fan. Oh, it's oh, Geeky Gardener at Geeky Gardener. Uh, we can put it in the show notes. Yeah, the definitely, the show. Definitely, definitely. Amanda, uh, did you have other questions for Ped? I think I, I can't ask him questions because I. I kind of <laughs> well. One I've known him for so long. We've already talked a lot about plants, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to think if there's anything because I think we hit most of the things I said, which was, or the things I had written down, which is the spicy thing is really I think the only thing that we didn't organically come to. Okay. It's okay. like all the good food is made with stuff that was intended for plants to defend themselves. It's good. like onions yeah. and garlic and. Yeah. I love an onion. My husband does this thing, professional cook, where he cuts half an onion and he cooks half an onion because that's how much he needs for whatever he's cooking. And I'm like, bro, cook off the rest of that onion. Put extra onions in it. There's never (laughs) enough onions. How are your kids with onions, though? My kids can't stand onions. But they're cooked. They're fine. Oh, okay. Uh, I've got a, I mean, my, I got a 10 month old and a four year old. So. The four-year-old subsists only on hot chocolate and peanut butter sandwiches. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I spend most of my day being like, maybe just, we call them no thank you bites, which is where you have to try a new thing and then say no thank you. So most of my day is spent trying to get my four-year-old to take no thank you bites. <laughs> you need no a little bit of meat, you. son. Just a little bit of iron in that system. Uh, <laughs> today we have uh, purchased some protein powder and we're going to start putting that in the various drinks he drinks 
What kind? Do you use Vega? I I like I think it's whatever was at the Costco is the answer of what kind of. (laughs) (laughs) My husband used to be real jacked because he was a professional wrestler, and uh, he got so sick of protein powders that we had to like ban them from the house for a little while because he just like even the smell of them he was like ugh disgusting I can't take so. Hey, you, you watched your husband's talk about no cricket longer flour at some point. That's like yeah. Well, Derek has used cricket flour before, so I've had a cricket flour cookie. I think in one episode they asked, "Have you ever eaten bugs?" And I was like, "Yeah, Derek gave me bugs." <laughs> I, think yeah, I would a, like a, to do a whole episode on food as insects edible. as food sources for humans. Yeah, it's it's because it's going to be our, important in the next few it's years. Our sustainability answer, truthfully, yeah. because like crickets feed on trash and reproduce by the millions so it's like oh they smell so bad though yeah they, i yeah, i nasty. used to rear crickets for my master's degree uh research and they smell awful and i worked at a pet store and they also smell bad there too yes but with <laughs> chocolate they taste delicious so oh, yeah because i've heard before that they're kind of nutty yes yeah people complain about like the, the smell of a lizard cage and what they're actually smelling is the crickets yeah Interesting. Oh, yeah. Crickets are gnarly. Well, what's your favorite plant? Do you have a oh, favorite that's plant? a good question. Um, I don't have one favorite, but I do like plants that have to work really hard, that have like the struggle. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I like plants that grow up in really harsh environments. So I study mangroves, which are wood, woody, like shrubby trees that grow in salt water like in florida um in the are they the they're kind of yeah that's the red that's my main yeah, yeah that's the yeah that's, that's your study. boy yeah that's my boy um my first <laughs> research project was on white bark pine those are um those are trees that those are the highest elevation species in north america so if you're climbing in the pacific northwest if you're climbing a mountain the last tree <laughs> you're going to see on a mountain is a white bark pine um they handle that cold and wind really well. And then are I they like, on the East Coast too? No. No, they're just West Coast. <laughs> we don't really? have mountains on the East Coast. We have hills. Yeah, we don't. We yeah. have hills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at those blue mountains. You mean those yeah. hills over there? <laughs> so they're actually saying, it's funny because so you go, up a tr- you go up a mountain in the West Coast, eventually there's no more trees. You reach a point called the Timberline, the Justin Timberline. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then after <laughs> that, it's just like rocky area, right? And we're seeing with climate change that the trees are actually climbing those mountains. Oh no! See, because our big ski resort is called Timberline on Mount Hood, and it's it's not true. The trees go for like ages above that lodge. Right. I wonder if that's new development or not. Interesting. It's a lie. So, but eventually they're going to run out of mountain. That's the one thing that we'll have to. Will worry about, Mount Everest but... technically be slightly taller if there's a very a tree on the very top? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> into how you, you have to climb it. the tree as well yes yeah. you imagine that you climb it and then you're like oh one more thing <laughs> you gotta climb this tree climb get up on that tree. tree yeah wow. um, all right yeah and i like i love desert plants um they're also gangsters because it's stressful to live in a desert right so they're all fighting for four drops of moisture yeah yeah <laughs> I, I get asked a lot in Botany, what's your favorite plant? And one day I just want to answer with like the most boring, plain plant like ever. Red like, clover. Yeah. yeah. I like succulents. Yeah. <laughs> They're nice. 
<laughs> like an aloe. Uh, do you have any tips for people trying to keep plants alive in their homes? Um, hmm. Water it. Because yeah. I kill, I kill <laughs> all the plants. Or, or a good starter plant for your house. I want to start letting plants live in my house. Where do I start? <laughs> yeah, the easiest are snake plants, spider plants. Those are really easy. And People uh, love their monsteras, I think they're called. Yeah, they're kind of a pain in the ass. I have a couple. <laughs> sorry, watch my language. Um, they're, they're kind of, because they're kind of viney. And they gr- if you're doing a good job of growing them, they grow big and cumbersome and take a lot yeah. of space. So um, They're also not can, pet safe. Yeah, and you can hack uh, them up, though, and, and create as many group babies as you want with them. If, <laughs> you know what I mean? So as long as you have a node, so a node is the part of the plant where the leaves and roots or stems emerge from. Mm. If you have a node, they'll, sh- they'll create roots at each one of those nodes. And so you can, and it's funny because they're expensive. Which I'm like, right. but why? Well, why? <laughs> yeah. I can just find a friend with a Monstera. Because we'll pay for plant. it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. People well, in my they, building really have Monsteras. Ones. And oh, really? they try to, they take little nodes and then they try to, they're like, oh, I'll give you this little Monstera plantling for $10. And I'm like, F off. No, thank you. Hustle, yeah. <laughs> the ones that are actually like valuable, if you get like the variegated ones, like those mm-hmm. are the ones that have like, you know, white in them and stuff like that. Mm. The, um, those um, those ones actually have some value until like two years from now when they're at Home Depot everywhere. But um, <laughs> there is this like kind of weird, if you're into like nursery plants and stuff, there is like this trend. Every year there's some hot plant and then three years later it's, the at, it's Home Depot. It's at Home Depot. <laughs> so like there's this crazy market that happens for a year and people figure out how to propagate them and then interesting you know, yeah. yeah they become uh, uh they get too good at growing them and now they've lost their value right but there is like there's shops around here that have collectible plants and as a comic book collector all? it hurts me inside but yeah <laughs> you could have pokemon but just for plants <laughs> yeah pokemon plants so interesting yeah is there a go-to east coast plant that if you're trying to make your yard more pollinator friendly, you should plant. Mm. That might as be region e- specific. Yeah, because yeah. like I, I, that's why I said East Coast because I was like, "What do you guys plant?" Versus well, me, I'm gonna plant something totally different. How about here in New Jersey? You know, it's New like Jersey, kind of, it's kind of silly, but like, there's a lot of value to an oak tree. Oh um, yeah, we've got a so in Oregon, you're not allowed to cut down an or- oak tree unless you have permission from the city, like. In Portland? Flat rate. In, I think it's in... Well, it's, I'm in Multnomah, Washington County is takes over the Portland area. Hmm. And yeah, we've got a neighbor who's been trying to cut down an oak tree for years. And the city keeps telling him, no, it's a benefit to the neighborhood. You're not allowed to cut it down. It's... I, they have some word for well, it. Well, townships like in ad, Jersey do have asset. like... Um, they have like arbor societies and tree... Yeah, tree well, and stuff like that. tree law in Oregon is don't mess with tree law. Um, in New Jersey, in uh, Warren, Warren Township, uh, where a friend of mine lives, if he cuts a tree down in his yard, he has to plant another one to replace yeah, it. Yeah, that's how it is here, too. You yeah. have to, if if you buy a property with five trees on it, you have to keep five trees on it for the rest of the time you own that property. Yeah. I like it. I think it's great. Yeah. Well, if you, know. you like having wildlife, 
near your house. Like if you want to see birds, the trees do. are the way to go. You know. <laughs> so, but there's I've so many hummingbirds this year. There's been a ton oh, yeah. of hummingbirds. We only have one species of hummingbird here in New Jersey, the ruby throat, which which oh. is beautiful. But I'm always so jealous of places who get more than one species. We have a we have a lot. I don't know how many, but I see multiple kinds. And it's very possible also that I'm seeing the same kind of hummingbird with a, a male and a female. Yeah. Right, yeah. And so I'm, I think I'm seeing more kinds than I really am. Amanda, you uh, said sexual dimorphism. I love it. Yeah. I love oh, it. No. My character is slipping on the path. <laughs> Amanda's oh, no. a secret scientist. We just pretend. Oh, no. These uh, hummingbird feeders that they're using, like, they're basically putting, like, the equivalent of soda inside of them. (laughs) It's just like... Yeah, yeah. And so, like, all these hummingbirds are feeding on these things, but they're getting no nutritional value. It's awful, yeah. Yeah. Or it's it's hurting their kidneys because they shouldn't have that dye. Right. That's a problem. Oh, yeah. Is that a bug-based dye? (laughs) It could be. (laughs) There are seven hummingbird species in Oregon, according to... The Arbor Society. <laughs> so there you go. I have seven little guys. Oh, uh, they so might not jealous. all be here. They might we be spread one. across the whole thing. Well, well, we try to get the. Uh, it's like sold as like this is healthy for hummingbirds. You know, this is good for them. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's true, but that's what they sell it to me as. <laughs> <laughs> they claim to be good for the hummingbirds, and it's like clear, so it has no dye in it. At least, at least I'm not giving them dye. Yeah. Yeah, honorary. Derek's calling them honorary bugs. They kind of are. Yeah. Wasn't there like a moth that looks just like a hummingbird? The hummingbird hawk moth. That's the one. <laughs> That's the guy. They're very, very cool looking. Yeah, we'll do an episode on those. So I guess we we can wrap wrap it up. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Ped, for for coming on the on the pod here. We appreciate it. We'd love to it's have you back fun. for future episodes. For sure. Can you tell the people where to find you on the internet? Um, so my Twitter handle is PedPatrick. My Instagram is Geeky Gardener. And I wanted to shout out um, a new coming YouTube channel that me and Kelly are launching called Nerdy Naturalists, where mm-hmm. we kind of fact check everything that's geeky and um, <laughs> look for uh, those videos coming soon. Thank you. Bugs Need Heroes is created by Derek Conrad and Kelly Zimmerman. Hosted by Amanda Allen Nide and Kelly Zimmerman. Bugs Need Heroes is produced and edited by Derek Conrad. Our music is Ladybug Castle by Roll Music. All character art by Amanda Allen Nide. Got a bug question? Email us at bugsneedheroes at gmail.com. Check us out on bugsneedheroes.com for the visual companion to our episodes with the artwork of the bug related heroes. We also have an Instagram, Twitter, and subreddit under the Bugs Need Heroes name. Thanks for coming by. Brute suit riot. Riot!